0: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Go Outdoors podcast. If this is your first episode, welcome. And this podcast, hunters and anglers from all different backgrounds come and share their stories and we're happy to have you. And if you're a returning listener, glad to have you back. In this episode, we have Ethan DuVetter, aka the online outdoorsman, aka the owner of my favorite bait and tackle company, Mule Fishing. In this episode, we talk about everything from what got him into fishing, how he went from a tournament angler trying to catch big bass to an ultralight angler who works with ultralight jigs and light line, and we even dive into why he started the company Mule Fishing. It's a great episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Right, So, Ethan, thank you for taking the time to join us. I'm super excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Um, so for those who might not know who you are, please, can you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, first off, for having me. Um, my name is Ethan. I, um, I run some social media pages called Online Outdoorsman. And I have my own company called Mule Fishing and uh, I'm very passionate about the outdoors in general, but I'm really, really into fishing specifically, and uh, I tend to be mostly a light line angler, but I pretty much will go for anything with anything.
0: Sweet. So if, if I'm not mistaken, you used to actually tournament
1: fish, right? Correct. Yeah. No, in uh, college, I got it. Well, I got into tournament bass fishing a little bit in high school, and then mm-hmm. I got into it big time in college. So I fished Um, for the Kansas State University fishing team so it's just like a club sport Mm -hmm. but it was awesome because it was an opportunity to basically join into this club sport um, fish together as a team and then we got the opportunity to go out and fish competitively against other schools so I got to travel around a little bit I got really into fishing and it really you know brought my skill level up a lot because I was around a lot of peers that had different experiences than I did and so they taught me a lot so I wish I could go back and do it all again because man, that was such a good experience and it taught me so much. And I, I wouldn't be the angler I am today without that.
0: That's pretty cool. I've uh, been toying with the idea of eventually getting into like some kayak tournaments or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But first I got to catch a bass in my kayak. I have yet to do that. I've caught a lot of bluegill now, but
1: you you are fishing an entirely new area to you and you're still Mm -hmm. picking this whole sport up and you're learning all these things and you're picking up a kayak for the first time. I mean, like there's a lot of firsts going on right now. And so I would just say like, just hang in there, but I I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to just throw yourself at the kayak tournament stuff and just, you know, at the bare minimum, you're going to get acquainted with some other friends and you'll be able to go fishing with them. And you'll probably learn a few things just in like, you know, friendly fishing trips. So I, I can tell you that, when I was starting into tournaments in high school, I didn't know much, but I got the opportunity to fish with others. It was all through a boat, but I was in the back of the boat. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much from just watching people. And I think the same thing would apply from a kayak standpoint. So I definitely think you should.
0: So what what got you into first angling in general and then uh, tournament fishing? What made you want to start tournament fishing while you were in high school and in college?
1: Yeah, so I guess this is, kind of our story here. Right. So I will talk about how I got into fishing and I'm going to kind of give it like, it'll be more of a, a story of kind of a summer I'll say. Mm-hmm. So growing up, um, none of my immediate family was really super into fishing. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple uncles that were both really into fishing and I got the opportunity to fish with them from time to time. And they certainly helped spark some interest, but really when I started to really fall in love with fishing was in high school, I had some friends that would live out, they lived out in the country. And so they had access to farm ponds um, and just, you know, a lot of uh, random little tiny ponds out in the middle of a a pasture where cows would, cattle would just like graze and they'll just walk in the pond and everything. Yeah. But that's what, that's what I kind of started on. So when my friends and I were starting to be able to drive, um, we, during the summer would go fishing and I picked up like my own ugly stick light and a Shakespeare reel. And, you know, it was the first rod and reel I ever bought for myself Mm -hmm. and kind of just learned from them. You know, they were kind of just typical farm pond anglers and a lot of beetle spins and rooster tails and like the most basic simple stuff was thrown. And I learned on that kind of stuff. And then I think what really made me really get into it though, and, is when I started to do a lot of research because I was just having so much fun with it. I started to like get the Bassmaster magazine and I started to watch the TV shows and I started to watch stuff on YouTube. And at that time, YouTube was in its infancy. Like it was a really small community of anglers on YouTube. And then I, you know, started to realize that I can actually like apply those principles and catch fish. So Mm -hmm. um, I remember reading about the wacky rig and this was, you know, kind of when the wacky rig was starting to become a big thing. Um, and I remember reading about it in a Bassmaster magazine. So I went out to Bass Pro Shops, um, which was a special treat for me to go to a Bass Pro Shops and I got an assorted stick bait kit. So it was yeah. just like the cheap, like basic, yeah, the,
0: the BPS, uh, has like yeah. multiple colors. You can get a, a lot, lot for not that much money.
1: Yeah. It was, it might've actually been a Cabela's actually in the Greens. Yeah. I think, I think it was actually Cabela's, but either way, same principle. Mm-hmm. Yes. assorted variety the cheapest like not that great but they were fine but I was a high schooler with you know limited money Mm -hmm. but I bought my kit and I was so excited because for the first time I was starting to experiment with what the pros used like that it was what like was meant to be like good bass fishing stuff so I started going out there and I started trying it out and I remembered that wacky rig and I decided okay I got these hooks I got these stick baits let's try this And that led to like a three pounder, you know, Mm -hmm. and I thought to myself like that, that moment alone, like just created so much excitement because it wasn't necessarily the three pounder that brought the excitement. It was the fact that I was challenging myself. I was learning something from, you know, experience as well as like from others. And then I was applying it and actually putting it to use. And so when I caught that fish, I think I just found like a a whole new appreciation for fishing that just lit a fire and uh, after that I just kept getting more and more into it and that's when I started looking into tournament stuff and I joined a small club tournament series and it was just like you know a local club tournament and it was um you know boaters and non-boaters and I joined Mm -hmm. as a non-boater and I would compete with the other non-boaters from the back of the boat and I cashed a little bit of a few checks here and there, but the grand scheme of things, I mostly just learned a lot. So, yeah. Anyways, that's a long story there, but um, that's kind of how I got into it.
0: No, yeah, I, I can really relate to getting information and then applying it, and um, really feeling like like something clicked. I yeah. it's funny that you that you talk about the wacky rig because I the my biggest bass I've caught, which isn't that big but my biggest bass that I've caught is on a wacky rig. Nice. And I caught it after asking a few friends. I, cause I was having zero luck with the Texas rig. I still have zero luck with the Texas rig, but I was like, all right, I have all these stick baits. How can I use this? And my buddy goes, use a wacky rig. If you have a, if you have a um, weighted wacky rig hook, even better, you can fish it a little faster. Mm-hmm. And so I took it out, threw it in this little pond and, and, i basically listened to what he said let it fall and then slowly twitch it up and then let it fall again and i remember going to lift it up again and i felt like i like the best way i can explain it. i felt like i hooked into a wet towel (laughs) and so all of a sudden i i i'm like is that a fish i set the hook and i can feel it just fighting back and that's something that I was like, oh, this is how it works. So I kept doing it over and over again and really having success with it. And the same thing with, um, with the mule fishing baits is, you know, you read the back and it has some like, you can twitch it, whatever. And that's kind of what I stuck with is twitching it. And I was like, I, I gained so much confidence just by taking in information and doing it again. And that's kind of what's clicked for me as well is like the fact that I can take some information from someone else, apply it where I am, and kind of use it to gain confidence and catch fish and things like that. Yeah. So you started tournament fishing. How did you move into what I feel like is what you're known for now is ultralight fishing? How did you move into that space? What brought you from wanting to catch big bass and having big big bags and tournaments to ultralight fishing and fishing with like two pound test? I tell my buddies I fish with two pound test and they're like, are you not scared? are you crazy? And I'm like, no, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, it is incredible. But yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And there's, there's a lot of things that led to it, but I do want to kind of take a step backwards and kind of make a few comments off of what you said, you know, taking the information in applying it and feeling Mm -hmm. that satisfaction of like getting a little bit of developing confidence in a new thing. What's beautiful, beautiful about fishing is the fact that you can do that with one technique, and then you can do that with another technique, and then yep. you can do that with another technique, and you can just keep doing that. And then as you become a more well-rounded angler and you have confidence in numerous techniques, what ends up happening is you start modifying them based on your own skill set and experience, mm-hmm. and you actually determine, you know, what's going to work best for you in your area. And you actually might come up with techniques that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and so that's been one of the the new exciting parts of fishing as I become more and more experienced wow, I've spent a lot of time on the water and there are sometimes ideas that hit me that actually legitimately work well. And there's not a lot of people that do that kind of thing. And so that's a whole nother reward in itself. So I guess my point here is that with fishing, what I find so fun about it, why it never gets old is because there's literally always something new to learn and there's always Mm. a new challenge. So that kind of leads me into the ultralight fishing topic. You know, bass fishing for me, you know, I definitely feel confident in my abilities of bass as a bass singler. I'm certainly no Kevin Van Dam. I'm certainly, you know, if I went out there and fished all the tournaments locally, I'm sure there'd be plenty of times I got my butt kicked, but I know how to catch bass pretty much on most bodies of water around here on any given day. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel really confident about it. And I love bass fishing, but a couple things that have really come into play is one I'm limited for time. So especially now more than ever, I've got a six month old baby and I love him to death, but, you know, as, as my time has become more valuable, you know, in the workforce and as a husband and as a father, um, what I find is that bass fishing is a little bit less rewarding when you don't have the time to really focus on developing a pattern and maximizing that pattern. So, um, if it takes you an hour to figure out what the bass are doing, but you only have two hours to fish, you don't really get to reap the benefit of that for, you know you only get to reap the benefit for one hour yeah Um, whereas ultralight fishing is you know it's a quicker way to catch fish so that's obviously a great part but i think the bigger thing for me is the fact that it's making me more excited about learning new species and i just love even though i I talk about fishing and i love fishing and i love the fight and all that stuff i love the ecosystem and i Mm -hmm. love learning about the fish and i love seeing the fish and Um, just better understanding all of the ecology that goes into it. I mean, what's so fascinating about this fishing stuff for a lot of us, and whether we think about it or not, is the fact that it's the unknown. We don't live underwater. And so we never know what's lurking down there. And it's so cool with ultralight fishing to be able to start to catch so many new species for me that I've never really appreciated you know, sure. I've caught tons of bluegill in my life, but there's a whole nother level of appreciation for them when they actually put up a good fight and oh, I can yeah. really give them a chance. So I guess that's one part, but I mean, all in all, it's, you know, I don't have a ton of time to fish. So when I do, I want to really have a good time out there. And, and two, I just, I love the way they fight. And then three, it's like, it's giving me an appreciation for, for new fish. I mean, shoot, I could talk about ultralight fishing for 20 hours straight, but obviously we don't have that kind of time. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'm I'm just wildly in love with the sport of ultralight fishing.
0: Yeah, no, I and, and it shows in the content that you're making, the videos that you're making. And it's I feel like I've been seeing a not a resurgence, but a growth in ultralight fishing, specifically around the people that I talk to and that I that I watch on YouTube, I see the movement towards ultralight fishing and it could just be that it's trendy now but it's interesting to see um the interest grow specifically i what i've been noticing a lot is like uh, you know the jdm space and the the um um, what are they called um bfs gear and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see the movement towards ultralight fishing and finesse fishing um do you have a good ultralight fishing story that you could share with us
1: Well, I probably have a bunch, and I would say you could pretty much watch all of my ultralight fishing stories on the YouTube channel. But Mm -hmm. um, let me think for a second on that. I' uh, trying to think of something that really stands out to me. I mean, there's so many that stand out. So I guess I'll just kind of summarize a few that are really top of Mm -hmm. mind. The the number one that's top of mind for me at all times because it just I want to go relive that moment. You know, as many times as I possibly can is last summer when I was chasing big bluegill and I hooked into the, I mean, I don't know how many inches he was probably a 30 inch pike. And, um, the fact that I was actually able to on two pound tests and an ultralight rod, you know, get that pike away from the grass and into open water and mm-hmm. tire him out and fight him back to the boat on a 132nd ounce jig and a one and a half inch donkey tail junior. Like the fact that that happened, I mean, it just blows my mind and it makes me proud as heck of my ability with a drag and with an ultralight rod to be able to land fish. So I, I think that one is a highlight for me. And that's a video I go back and actually watch sometimes, which I don't watch mm-hmm. for any of my videos, but that that one um, in particular excites me. I guess the other thing that happened on that same trip that is certainly a, a key moment for me was I missed, you know, I unfortunately broke off a bowfin at the boat. But the reason mm-hmm. these ones are like, so exciting to me is the fact that I just talked about how bluegill are exciting and, you know, there's perch and crappie and all these other smaller game species that are so much fun on ultra light. But I think that overall the big highlight moments are when you just randomly hook into like a ridiculous fish Oh yeah, happens. And I mean, that happens to a lot of people. Um, It's not going to happen every trip, but every, you know, seventh or eighth trip, you're going to have something wild happen. And uh, even if it's a two pound bass, you know, it's going to be a heck of a fight. Now, the one thing I do want to say just to be a responsible angler and a fair, um, you know, a fair conservationist is when you do hook into and land really big fish on ultralight, that is a lot of wear and tear on that, that fish. Mm -hmm. So just be extremely cognizant of that and just really do your best to take care of that fish. And if you need to, you know, hold that fish in the water for a while to let it regain its energy before you just let it go. Um, that is something that that's part of the reason I never really target big fish specifically on ultralight. It just, when it happens, it happens. Yeah. Um, but I just want to be very cognizant of it because I think there's sometimes people that, I don't know if they're playing the, you know, some of the clickbait game and stuff like that, but sometimes I think, you know, people are thinking that's a good idea to go after giant fish on really light tackle. But I would argue that it's not really a good idea to purposely catch them. Yeah. Um, if you're catching release, but when it happens, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you don't really control it. So anyways, I, I don't need to ramble on that, but.
0: No, yeah. And you you make a good point because, um, and it's funny because I talk, just talked about this on another podcast um, where time, when I have a fish out of water, feels like it's moving so fast. And all I'm thinking about is trying to get that fish safely back into the water. Yeah. Because my biggest, even if it's like, the smallest bluegill. So it's funny because we talk about big fish and taking care of big fish. I'm concerned about the small fish because I'm like, this is the future big fish as well. So I'm like, because I mean, most of the fish I catch are, are very small, but they're <laughs> hey, still very fun. It <laughs> and it, my concern is always like, I got to get this fish in the water because this fish is a delicate little fish. Nah. So I try to move quickly and enjoy the catch, enjoy the fish take a picture and then quickly put it back in the water. Yeah. And, I mean, um,
1: you got it. You got to be quick about it, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like don't, don't, don't beat yourself up too much. I oh mean, yeah. But you're mm-hmm. doing all right. There, there are plenty of people out there that are not doing it right, but yeah, we don't need to sit here and complain about them. All I know is like, there's some pretty big horror stories out there about certain people on the YouTube mm-hmm. that, do some of that stuff and it's it's disappointing yeah. to hear and and i guess i will say just wow on the topic and again i'm not going to be like this guy that's like oh don't hurt fish but mm-hmm. but um just i don't see the point in keeping five fish in a live well all day for an instagram photo if mm-hmm. you're not fishing like a tournament um i'm just gonna throw that out there why do people do that because they just need the self-esteem boost of getting a five yeah. fish photo on instagram if it's why? I mean, it's yeah, really I, hard on the fish. <laughs> like, and I
0: agree with you on that. I mean, nowadays there are scales that will let you let you save yeah. five weights on it and things yeah. like that. So there you are ways around really it. I, <laughs> when I when I do so, last time I went fishing, I actually hooked into what felt like a big fish. I didn't actually see it because mm-hmm. the hook came out of its mouth, mm-hmm. but I. I was, I'm 99% certain it was a fish because as soon as I went to pop my lure, I felt resistance and I felt some head shakes and my drag started to scream. And then I went to go set the hook again because the first one didn't do it for me. And all of a sudden I feel it dive down, drag goes again, and then the lure pops out. The lure just came flying at my face.
1: What were you throwing?
0: I was throwing... A 164th ounce mule jig with a um, chartreuse Donkey tail Jr. Hmm. And so I think ultra light, yeah, I yeah, was ultra light fishing. And I think either it was it didn't quite have it yet, or hmm. I didn't set the hook well enough because the I kept getting bites that day and I kept losing fish. Hmm. So either they were just nipping at the tail. Or I wasn't setting the hook right. One of the two was happening. And in fact, in in the video, I say, next fish, I'm just going to... Because my concern was, I'm on two-pound test. I don't know what's in this pond. It's a new pond for me. So if it's a big fish, I know I got to give it just a little bit more oomph. Hmm. But um, not too much. And I started getting frustrated. I said, next fish, I'm just going to set the hook like it's a hammer. Because I was concerned about breaking off because it's two-pound sure. test. Absolutely. And yeah, so I wasn't expecting it. So I just did my usual like ultralight hook set and Mm. I I felt it dive down and I I immediately thought this is a big fish. And then I thought again, what am I going to do? How am I going to get this thing to the bank? Because there was a, Mm. I would say like a foot or a foot and a half of like this dead grass mat that had collected because of the winter, it all died (laughs) off. And luckily I had my mug boots, so I'm like, I'm gonna get in here if I have to. But I was like, how am I like I was thinking drag, I was thinking um fighting the fish, and I was like, I did not mean to hook a big fish today. So uh, it was one hey, of those things.
1: Don't get me wrong, it's mm-hmm. fishing, and let's mm-hmm. have fun with it. And like, oh, yeah. don't sweat the small stuff. I'm, I'm just saying it's things to things to consider, right? Yeah, the real, I think some of the things that are going on with fishing right there's more and more people getting into it there's more pressure mm-hmm. on a lot of our bodies of water yeah. so i think it's just all the more important that as catch and release anglers we're cognizant of how we're treating our fish and mm-hmm. hey again i'm not going to sit here and complain by any means because i think 95 percent of anglers are really great on on fish so um, it's nothing to be super concerned about just something to think about so yeah, yeah dude i wish you would have landed the fish i'm sorry that happened Me too. that's ultralight fishing though i mean. Mm-hmm usually when you get a big one to bite it's it's probably more likely they're not they're not going to come to the bank so
0: yeah no yeah i remember just like that i don't normally complain about losing fish i'm i normally just like oh too bad you know but that one that one hurt i was like oh i really wanted to see because normally when i do lose them i still see a flash like I get to mm-hmm. get like an idea of how big it could have been. Yeah. This time because the water was so dark, it was just like chocolate stained water. Um and it was so far from the bank, I didn't even get a glimpse of it. I
1: was but like You assume oh. it was a bass?
0: Oh yeah, cuz I that's what I was catching. That was what I was hitting all day. Hmm. Um was just bass were coming out from that
1: pond and huh. um Get back but, out, there, buddy.
0: Yeah, I mean it could have been a catfish cuz I mean a lot of the ponds around here have catfish. So. yeah the head
1: shakes make me think fast though mm-hmm.
0: yeah exactly because i i felt what what when i hook a catfish i'm so used to the the rolls that catfish tend to do once yeah you have, have slime
1: on your line too if you mm-hmm. had it hooked for more than a few oh seconds. yeah
0: those catfish man i remember accidentally not accidentally but catching two i unexpectedly is the right way to put it i unexpectedly caught two catfish on the horse flies yeah. the red horse flies i remember watching them and those things were so slimy. I't could, yeah. I, I couldn't even, you know, <laughs> comprehend how there was so much slime on my line. So
1: Dude, I honestly, I feel like I need to try catfish up here. It's just like I never even think about it just because catfish in Kansas was, you know, a very common thing, and I never got into it, but I wish I would have now. Um, but up here, I feel like it's it's either you go to a river, And you have to know some decent holes where the catfish go Mm -hmm. or you're catching bullheads. And I don't know very many spots for either. So I just haven't really got into it, but definitely a fish I want to learn more about. But to your point, I mean, they're slimy. They've Mm -hmm. got that spike on their dorsal fin. I mean, they're, they're kind of a tough fish to handle and they're kind of mean. And so uh, (laughs) it's it's certainly when you catch one by surprise, sometimes it's a little annoying.
0: Yeah. That was the funny thing. I was, (laughs) when I pulled the cat, when I put both those catfish out of the water, I'm like, I don't even know where to grab this thing. Cause I know <laughs> there's something on here that's going to hurt me.
1: Yeah. And it's so I was like, if you super grab careful. The, the cheeks mm-hmm. and stuff, but you just, have so that's trying. what
0: I did is I was like, I, I feel like this is a good spot to grab them. Cause this, cause I was like, I feel like I've seen people grab them back around, uh, like behind the cheeks, like you said. So I was like, I'm just going to get this guy back in the water. Cause I'm not going to keep him And I don't want to get spined or whatever by, by the, yeah, I'm the
1: same way. No worries. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah.
0: Hey, I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash remote outdoors. If you're new to the outdoors and want to learn how to fish, I have a great beginner's guide to fishing series. And I also have a whole mess of fishing adventures. So you can follow along on my journey as I try to become a better outdoorsman. Again, that's youtube.com slash remote outdoors. Let's talk about the NetRig. I feel like I've been consuming so much of your NetRig videos because I really want to get more confident with the NetRig. I've had a couple Ned NetRig bites. I don't think I have it quite yet. But what about the NetRig really? What draws you to the NetRig? Because I feel like when I think of the Ned Rig, I think of you at this point. And of course, that That
1: was kind of, that's, that's kind of the goal, man. I want, Mm -hmm. I want people to think of me as the Ned Rig connoisseur and ultralight Mm -hmm. connoisseur, because those are things I'm passionate about. Um, Ned Rig for me, the reason I'm really into it is because one, it flat out catches fish, but two, my history with it. Um, Being from Kansas originally, I was fortunate enough to hear about the Ned rig before it ever really became a mainstream big thing in the industry. I, um, Ned Katie is from Kansas and Mm -hmm. he's got a a small following of people that back in the day had an email chain and he would send emails of his reports and he would you know, basically send out, you know, things, lessons that he's learned and kind of basically just teach people how to use what he called the Midwest finesse rig. It was always Mm -hmm. called the Midwest finesse rig. Um, you know, there was, smaller companies back in the day. This was before the finesse TRD was ever available. This is, they were cutting um, stick baits in half. They were, you know, doing a lot of things, but ultimately I got linked up with a, a crowd from, from that group. And I eventually even got to the point where I fished with Ned Katie. And so I learned this in like, I want to say late high school. Mm. Um, and then like early college, I started to, to fish it a lot. And, I mean, there's there's so many memories, right? I even remember telling my um, college fishing advisor. There was the club advisor. He's like a faculty at the school. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this thing. I'm catching so many fish on this. I'm having 50 fish days, and there's respectable fish in the mix. Like, this is really going to be something. And I remember him telling me. Oh, that, that's not really going to do much for bass fishing. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, man. Like, I don't know if I'm quite as convinced, but you know, whatever mm-hmm. So, anyways, It's just like so many memories of the net rig. Like it's so special to me because it's so, such a huge fundamental part of who I am as a bass fisherman Because I just go back with it. So anyways, now all of a sudden it's blown up and mm-hmm. I think it's great. I mean, I think it's great that it's, it's blown up because it's helped a lot of people catch fish and it's helped a lot of people become more interested in bass fishing. And So people that care about fishing, you know, are going to treat it with more respect. So that's a long way of telling you why I love the net rig, but I guess um, did you have like? Do you have any specific questions on kind of like like fishing so, it or?
0: Yeah, so my I think my oh, my first inclination is always just just to bomb cast it out from wherever I'm fishing. I'm starting to feel like that's not the exact way to do it. No. So <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> What would do you recommend? Like, okay, let me let me walk you through how I'm normally fishing it. Okay. At this point, I have already thrown, say, like some crankbaits. I've already thrown maybe a chatterbait. I've already thrown some ultralight gear and had some fun there. But I want to catch a bass. I haven't caught it on anything. So I usually go, okay, let's just try the Ned Rig. And my first thing is to always cast it in a direction where I think a fish might be. Sure. I let it sink to where I think might be the bottom. And then I slowly start to drag it towards me. Hmm. There have been instances where I think I have a bite now, but I'm not entirely sure. So what are some tips you can give, like where to cast it, how to work it, what are your favorite techniques? Because I know you have a few techniques on your channel, and I've seen sure. those videos over and over again. Yeah. What, I mean- what are your go-to's?
1: I think I've put a video out there on like the, all the different techniques that mm-hmm. Ned has like coined as his net rig techniques, but I, I tend to fish it pretty similar most times, but you know, I, I kind of vary my, my retrieve speed based on the season and kind of the fish temperament, you know, water clarity, so many conditions. Right. So just to be clear, like the conditions as well mm-hmm. as your waters and how your fish act and that sort of thing, it's obviously going to vary to an extent versus what I'm fishing, but the first thing I would recommend is honestly, just to build up confidence in the net rig or any fishing technique for that matter, go to a body of water that, you know, there's a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. If you have a body of water where there's a good population of fish and you've caught them before, start there. So whether that's a net rig or anything else, like I said, just the most important thing to get confident in any technique is to catch a few fish on it. And so don't worry if you're going to go cheat code it up a little bit, because that will help you with some muscle memory and kind of yeah. just having that little bit of belief in yourself, I guess. So I always do that when it comes to, you know, learning new techniques. I, I go cheat code it up a little bit. I go to a place where it's like, these fish are really easy to catch. Mm-hmm. Um, but number two, I would say like, you don't need to make long casts. Um, you know, in the net I would say more, more often than not fish are pretty close to me when I catch them. Um, it's lightweight. It's really small, and you know, usually you don't. And you know, so many of the fish, I don't know. I just feel like I catch them close to me. So you don't need to feel like you need to bomb it out there. I don't yeah. think that's really necessarily helping you a ton. Um, but I'd say some of my big tips are, and I, I guess this is going to be tough because I know we've talked before on this, and I feel mm-hmm. like you're doing a lot of things right. So I would say hang in there. But a lot of my top level t- tips for most people would be um, lightweight. Don't, don't feel the need to feel everything. What okay. I mean by that is you don't need that same quarter ounce head that you're used to throwing when it comes to finesse jigs and shaky heads. One mm-hmm. sixteenth is what I throw 95% of the time. That is Ned rig magic going heavier than that is fine when it's windy or you're fishing deep water, but in anything down to, you know, 15, 20 foot of water on a still day, I'll probably throw one sixteenth. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just be patient with it. The other thing I'll say is you don't have to do a whole lot with it. You know, the, the bait tends to do a lot of work for you. It is natural in its silhouette. It is a small profile that makes the bass curious and you twitching it and dragging it real fast or whatever you're doing, you don't need to do i personally like a pretty simple retrieve i usually cast it out there i let it sink to the bottom i watch my line while it's sinking because more bites than not are coming while it's sinking it's Mm -hmm. almost like a wacky rig in that manner um i would say probably seven out of ten bites for me come on the fall three out of ten bites come off the bottom um and then every now and again you catch a fish while you're swimming it back you know that's kind of right but watch your line Um, and i would say high viz braid is is the best you can use, um, 10 pound braid with a six to eight pound fluorocarbon leader. Um, that's those, those pieces of equipment certainly make a difference with how many you hook and land. How um, long of a leader? I just usually tie seven foot and I'll fish it down to two or three feet. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, not a huge deal. I, I think, you know, it doesn't really matter that much as long as you're given enough space to where the fish aren't looking at the leader mm-hmm. or looking at the main line, but anyways, I'd say like cast it out there, let it sit. Once it's on the bottom, I'll either twitch it a few times and then let it sit and then reel up my slack and do the same thing and just pause it. Or I'll just reel it a couple times, get it back higher in the water column, let it sit. You know, I, I don't really like have a lot of rhyme or reason these days. I kind of just have so much muscle memory that Mm -hmm. I just kind of I focus more so on the initial fall and then on the pauses and then just a little bit of twitches here and there to keep my line positioned more than anything. Um, when you're fishing from a kayak, um, or a boat line positioning is such a critical aspect to it. Um, and just making sure that your line is kind of pointed into the wind, um, making sure that there's not like big bows off to the side, because like I said, so many of my bites are detected through the line that if I keep a semi slack pointed in the direction of where my net rig is, I will detect any bite that comes my way. And I think a lot of times people that, that are not catching a lot of fish on the net rig probably just didn't realize there was a fish grabbed it real quick or picked it mm-hmm. up and carried it a few feet because they weren't really paying attention to where their line is and how they're, you know, where their bait is. I think most of the people that don't have luck on the net rig though, are, are quite honestly throwing too heavy of a jig, you know, they're throwing a quarter ounce head and it mm-hmm. doesn't look natural. Um, So anyways, I'm not going to go into a tons of specifics because a lot of specifics live on my, my channel and you can certainly get a lot more retrieve techniques and a lot more comprehensive gear um, recommendations, but I'd Uh say those high level recommendations, no matter where you are, are going to basically catch fish for you. So, um, I don't know, hang in there, man. I, I I think once you catch a few, you're going to freaking start to crush them, but that's just, it's just going to take a little bit of time to get there.
0: Yeah. I've been playing a lot with it. Um, not so much lately cause the weather here has been just all kinds of crazy. It's freezing one day and then the next day it's like 60 degrees. So yeah, that's not uh, helping your situation. Yeah. So I, I just kind of set the Ned rig rod down. Um, do you think it works well in tannic waters or dark stained waters? Or would you specifically keep uh, it to more clear water? i fish it.
1: I'll fish it anywhere just to clear, clear that mm-hmm. up, but um clear water or you know stained water is where i tend to like it most tannic i think is fine i think you have to be a little Mm. more selective about your color um anything past stained yeah because a lot of
0: our water looks like sweet tea
1: yeah i don't see that i don't have a ton of like i don't have a ton of like um i haven't i haven't fished a ton of water like that so I'm not sure like what exact colors like silhouette the best in that. I don't know because that sweet tea looking water. It's like, it's not that it's not clear. It's just got a weird hue to yeah, it. It's got like, a it's weird tint. It's still tip. pretty clear. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would exper- experiment with colors a lot and try to figure out if there's like certain colors, whether you're throwing a net rig or other baits that mm-hmm. seem to pop and make the fish like choke it down better. If you consistently have a bunch of fish, you know, smashing just an all black bait, try an all black. If they are... You know, kind of tail biting a lot of the the typical colors for you. You just keep experimenting. I think that's yeah. that's a big part of it. Um, I don't think color is like the end all be all, but I do think in certain situations it can make a pretty big difference. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd play around a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely will. I found that in uh, there's this one spot not too far from me. It's kind of my go to spot when I have limited amount of times to fish. The karma color donkey tail junior does really well and the water is like you said it's not not that it's not clear it just has a very dark tint to it yeah. and it's for some reason it's something that it something seems to do really well there and yeah. i threw it on just like a hunch uh i was like hearing oh this is the time to throw shad colored baits you want your yeah. white colored baits and i was thinking i was like well you know this kind of looks like a shad i'm gonna put it on the mule jig and swim it a little bit and twitch it and it seemed to be doing so i might go back once the weather gets a little bit better to maybe throw a couple clearer looking or brighter colors um net rigs in that body of water and see what happens a lot of the fish there are like the size a good size to eat a net rig it's not like they're all real tiny not like that super pinky size bass that everyone's seen
1: yeah they're like good size bass yeah i think i mean if you're already ultralight fishing for them what i would honestly do is do a double jig rig that i've talked about right Mm -hmm. and use your karma color that you've had success with on the top jig and then use something that you're not sure about on the bottom jig Mm -hmm. because the bottom jig usually gets more bites that if you are consistently catching more fish on the top jig in that situation, you are probably onto something. Yeah. If you start to catch more fish on a little bit of both, it's like, okay, well, maybe experiment some more and see if there's like some, if it's like they're interested in whatever, or if there's something there. Mm-hmm. But if you start to catch a bunch of fish on the bottom, Jake, then you might start to experiment a little bit and say, well, maybe this other color is better. You know? So I think that's kind of the beauty of, you know, that ultralight rig I've talked about of the double jig rig. You know, if you're, if you're already throwing ultralight, you might as well try it a little bit because yeah. it's such a good way of just like process of elimination, learning what makes the fish tick.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And the like, the place that I've been fishing, it's not, like, a private area. It's, like, a heavy pressured mm. um, public. Like, every time I go, at least when the weather was good, there was at least two other people fishing there. And it's not a big pond. It's probably, like, uh, maybe, like, four or five acres. Mm. And there's very, like, there's, like, heavy brush everywhere. So there's only so many spots you can actually fish from. Um, and I go with my neighbor there every once in a while, and he's throwing, you know, wacky rigs and bigger size lures and he may get into one once he finally finesses down but every time i've gone people are struggling and i seem to catch them on the donkey tail so that kind of speaks to like your what the bait itself so that kind of leads me to my next question is what made you want to start mule fishing and what do you eventually want it to be
1: yeah i mean it's um Obviously another great question. I certainly appreciate all the questions today. Um, I feel like this has been a lot of fun so far. So thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. um, Mule fishing. So I've always been pretty entrepreneurial in spirit. I, you know, in high school, I was going on like, craigslist and i would find free stuff and i'd turn around and sell it and um, i yeah. was like american pickers you know tall lanky kansas kid edition and i didn't you know i didn't get the a tv show but <laughs> um, i i was i've always done this kind of stuff I, I started a soft plastic hand poured soft plastic company in high school i mm-hmm. um had my own lawn mowing business i have done a lot of i had a, a blog on like a, it was like a actually more of an informative website for co-angler fisherman i ran that through college and that was really cool and uh, list goes on i've done a lot of things and i've always kind of looked for ideas mm-hmm. um, when it came to mule fishing i was to the point in my life where it's like i have a full-time job i'm you know financially i'm i'm doing all right um mule fishing was more like i i knew that i wanted to start another business at some point but i wanted the idea to be legit i wanted mm-hmm. it to, come to me and feel like there was truly something there And it kind of just came to me, you know, the summer of 2019, I think it was, you know, I started to realize like, you know what, there, there's a clear market gap here. There is not an ultralight jig that I am excited to fish with. Mm -hmm. There are some really, really cheap ultralight jigs that are as bare bones and basic as you can get. And there's a few others with strange head designs that I didn't like and, I realized, and there's nothing with a keeper. There was nothing with a good keeper that could hold a place. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, man, I am such a net connoisseur. It's so productive. This same principle is going to work in smaller form and I got to do it. So I decided that I was going to launch mule fishing and I named it mule fishing um, primarily because my grandpa, you know, he's, he lives in Kansas still. He's, He's awesome. He mm-hmm. loves mules. And I wanted the name to mean something to me, but I also wanted the name to kind of, you know, talk about how the company stands for just hardworking gear and a yeah. mule is like a hardworking animal and it, it just kind of fit for me. So I decided mule fishing, that's what we're going with. And I'm so happy with the name. I like every time I oh yeah see it, I think about like my family and what this means to me and what this represents to me. And so I'm pr- so proud of it. But um Anyways, we started with the 180th ounce, the 164th ounce, and the 132nd ounce mule jig. I launched those in November 2019 after some testing and a lot of um, just learning and a lot of hand packaging and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And they seem to work. Not only do they catch a ton of fish, but they seem to be selling at a decent pace. And I was really proud of that. So then as time went on, um, I had the opportunity to launch the second idea that was in my mind from day one. And that was, um, plastics and, and not specifically just plastics. It was, you know, the high durability plastics, except for, um, smaller ultralight gear, because that doesn't exist. Um, and, and and there's a a few out there, but it doesn't really exist the way I want it to. And, um, it, uh, that was, that's been really good, but yeah. Anyways, I'm, I'm, I, my plan right now is to keep doing my best to add value to anglers lives and to help people catch Mm -hmm. fish. And I think there's still a lot of things out there that are missing, um, from the ultralight market, because I don't think that the ultralight market is very thought about from fishing. Yeah. Companies. Um, and so I, I've, I've got a lot of things that I plan to launch, um, as time and, and, resources allow, um, but that just simply just takes time. But where do I want mule to go? I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I want it to be, you know, a, a larger business that is mm-hmm. able to, of, um, lead to some more opportunities. Um, you know, I do have a great, wonderful job that I love, but you know, mule fishing is is certainly a passion for me and I'd love to see it go places and be able to help more and more anglers catch fish. Um, and really just have a, a bigger impact. The other thing with mule that I obviously, you know, I think a lot of people know about, but not everyone is the fact that from the start, my wife actually encouraged me to come up with something that, that I believed in and tie it to mule. And mm-hmm. that was a waterway cleanup initiative because I hate seeing trash everywhere I go. Oh yeah, and I mean, It is everywhere you go. And if you're next mm-hmm. to water, it's even more. Um, so from the start, I, I dedicated time to every time someone ordered, I, I would go out and try to clean up. And, you know, I got to the point where I, the business was scaling and I realized, Holy smokes, I can't keep up with this on my own. So yeah. I've kind of modified it to also include a financial impact to giving back. Um, and so I've been able to give, you know, over a thousand dollars in impact to places like American rivers. And I've been able to mm-hmm. partner with people like you to get yep. into that impact to different areas across the country. So the bigger that mule gets and everything, the more impact I can have on waterway cleanup. So I can proudly say that I'm, you know, helping with something that needs help with, and it'll never be enough, because, but we have to all at least try because the litter is, harming our waterways, yeah. our fishing populations. It's, it's really disgusting. So <laughs> I'm oh, doing yeah. my best.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, I've, it's gotten to the point where I have a habit now of whenever we finish like a loaf of bread, I save the bag because they're small, mm-hmm. but big enough where you can fit things in. So I'll That's save that bag and, for, like, and put fishing. it like in a pocket or yeah. put it in like my fanny pack or in my, whatever I'm taking that day. I'll have it on me. So if I come across trash, I can either use it to pick up that trash mm-hmm. or put stuff in it, depending on what it is. But um, that's become a habit of mine that I've started doing. And um, to what the, what the thing that really interests me about mule fishing and the way I discovered mule fishing was from um, watching a burly fishing video. So shout out to Jeff and Paul. Um, yeah, they were guys
1: are awesome. They, yeah, yeah, I, I love that channel. a lot. And I appreciate them.
0: And I saw them talking about it. And um, at the time I had just, I, I, I'd i say I was unknowingly dabbling in ultralight fishing. And what mm-hmm. I mean is I had a, um, a Shakespeare catch more fish trout combo, which is an ultralight rod. Mm-hmm. And I was throwing trout magnets on it. And I love trout magnets. They're great, but everyone is throwing trout magnets. And so I would sometimes get some activity specifically around like the trout season, but it wasn't, you know, there were times where I could tell these fish have seen this kind of lore before because they would come up to it, look at it. And these were like clear water. So I could literally see the fish come up and then they would just turn away. Wouldn't even like nip at it, just turn away. They weren't liking it at all. And I was looking into other baits. I was moving to other brands and you know, there are other brands out there that are great and then I saw that video and I was like, I want to try those out. So I put it in an order and I take those out. And the first time I casted it out, I just remember getting hit instantly. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's like, uh, like, you know, I think I found a cheat code. And because it has felt that way ever since, I have shared it with, with tons of people who, while we're on the water, they're struggling to catch fish. And I'm like, I'm telling you, tie this on and you are going to start catching fish. And it works like that and it's one of those things where it's like it's different and it's durable the only plastic that i've ever broken has been because i was learning how to rig it (laughs) that's the only plastic i will say
1: it's not easy but i i like to think the video that i put out there might help help a little oh yeah but yeah it, it's kind of it's a little funky to start but you got to yeah, get a little rough with it twice, it's not bad
0: yeah. i was always so used to like being delicate with my plastics and <laughs> you gotta, trying you not to it. rip them this guy you got to give it give it a little juice <laughs> to to put it on there hey,
1: i'm trying to give you an exercise while you're out there too a little finger finger strength exercise exactly yeah.
0: so so now i can rig them pretty well first try yeah. but that one i think i took it all the way on and off the hook and rehooked it all the way through probably like 30 times and then it finally (laughs) split in half
1: hey hey the good news is you got some good practice out of it and then the rest of the package probably lasted you a long time but oh uh, yeah but if uh, here's my here's my note
0: here's my note is that if that would have been any other kind of plastic i'm positive i would have gotten like two three maybe tries and it would have broke so 30 30 riggings isn't bad
1: i i uh Mm. i certainly appreciate the uh Mm. The comments about the testament to the product, and you know, I, I also very much appreciate the fact that you're willing to share when you're out there and oh, go yeah. out and spread the word. That I mean, one, that means the world to me. But two, I mean, you're making those other anglers day when when you're going out of your way to help them, and and that's pretty darn awesome. But um, I sincerely do appreciate the fact that you're you're willing to do that because I know that you know these products cost you money, and you work for that money, and to go out there and share that and spread the love is. I don't know. I just, uh, I respect the heck out of that, man.
0: No. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I, I look at like, for example, the last time I gave a pack was, um, it's actually been a few months because I haven't actually seen anybody out because of the weather (laughs) is, was to a, to a dad and his son and they were walking by and they were like, what'd you catch? They were, they were kind of looking at the distance. They're like, what'd you catch that on? Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: showed them. I'm like, it's just this little soft plastic. And I'm like, do you guys fish? And they're like, yeah, we fish. And I'm like, oh, here you go. Here's a, here's a pack. Here's some hooks. Um, you rig it like this. It's, you throw it on, you know, really light line. If you have like a medium rod, you might be able to get away with it, but you kind of want a lighter rod and kind of walk them through the whole thing. And they walked away and, they were, and I just remember hearing the kid going, can we go fishing tomorrow? yeah, see, yeah that's it's like, one of those really, things, it's like, like the terrible. typical kid thing to do like my daughter always does that so it was like one of those things where it's like that's awesome
1: you just made that up. dad have to take his kid fishing and that is the best thing you could have ever done
0: <laughs> exactly because now he's got to go home and he's got to say hey he wants me to take him fishing so we're gonna go fishing tomorrow that's right that's mm-hmm. awesome <laughs> but yeah man so um i don't want to take up too much more of your time so um where can people find you? What are you up to? Like what's coming up for mule? Like all this kind of stuff. The yeah. next few minutes are yours, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say you can find me on all social media, just online outdoorsman. Um, that's outdoors man, not men. Um, and then you can find mule fishing, same thing, just mule M U L E fishing on all platforms as far as kind of what's coming next from you I'm not going to give any big secrets away, but you know, just know that there's some pretty cool stuff in the works. And I think this spring, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of anglers out there that are, that are finally feeling like somebody's listening. So Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm really excited for some of the things that are coming and I've got a lot of other things in my head, but it's just a matter of time and money, baby. Time and money.
0: Yeah. 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 Definitely. (laughs) well man i appreciate you coming on again thank you and i'm definitely probably going to be putting an order in as soon as you drop whatever new is coming
1: (laughs) well we'll get you set up and uh i'm excited to see what you catch on and more importantly
0: all right man i appreciate you
1: yeah thanks for the call